Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. We are in the series called Acting Up, which is our walk through the book of Acts. And the plan is that we get it at least done by the end of summer, because we're going to launch in the fall, which I know we don't want to talk about. Um, ready to go and equipped with some different mindsets. And so what we've been looking at as we walk through the book of Acts are some of the key words, key phrases, key actions, things that stand out to us that it's more than just a documented history. It shows us the nature of God. It shows us what it should look like when God is active in our lives, that we should actually be transformed by his presence, right? There should be something that happens in us. We should be notably different. So we've talked about things like his word. We We've talked about things like the name of Jesus. We've talked about the power of the Holy Spirit to go out. We've talked about boldness. And today we are talking about joy. Yeah, very fitting for a celebration Sunday, isn't it? Literally calling it joy bomb because um, joy is meant to be something that is in you at all times, ready to go off whenever necessary. So some of us have been walking around as a different kind of bomb. And it needs to probably change, right? We need to be the kind of people that are different when we get pressed, what comes out of us? When we get pressed, is it depression that comes out? When we get pressed, is it anger that comes out? When we get pressed, is it sorrow that comes out? When we get pressed, is it just nasty language that comes out? What, what comes out? It needs to be joy because joy carries the fingerprints of God. And in our current world situation, doesn't matter where you go. There is pressure of all kinds, always has been. It feels like it's increasing in, in the sense that you can't even get away from it. Wherever you go, you bump into different kinds of pressures. But what comes out of you when that pressure hits? It should be joy. And so for some of us today, this is going to validate you and the fact that other people are like, what's, what's up with you? Like, don't you understand what's really going on? And for others, it's going to be a correction. You can choose. Um, <laughs> joy is something that is necessary and evident in the Christian walk. We love to talk about, and we will be talking about in the weeks to come. I think Pastor George is preaching next week. I think he may be talking about a prison break. If I'm, yes, prison break. Prison break is next week. Prison break is uh, one of the things that happens in the book of Acts on a couple different occasions. There's also all kinds of really difficult situations that happen, all kinds of miracles that happen. But one of the words that we don't necessarily pay attention to until we're looking for it is the many times the word joy shows up. It's actually just this marker of people who have been touched by God, people who are carrying the presence of God. And so that, this is normal. It actually should be kind of expected by us. Uh, Luke 2 is the story when the angels come and they're announcing the birth of Jesus, right? Luke 2, 9 to 11 says, Behold, an angel of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There will be joy to all people because Jesus is here. Because Jesus showed up, because right from the very beginning, something has changed in society because Jesus is present. This news is great joy. Now, some of us, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what's happening in your house or in your car. 
Literally the other day we were driving, we were on our way to meet Pastor Morris and Lucinda actually, and we're, uh, Highway 40 has that great little construction situation going on right now. And um, so, you know, of course there's like, as we're all going down into one lane, there's of course the people that zoom up the far side so that they can cut in front just before, right? Just because. And not any of you, because I know you are stellar drivers and absolutely loving at all times behind the wheel. Um, but we're watching this and we're like, no, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's, yeah, he's going to do it. So this guy comes up and he just like zips, like within like inches in front of the car that's right in front of us. And the car behind him is like jamming on it. And, and so the, the truck that pulls in front of him, once we get past the construction thing, he just sits there and parks like right in front of his bumper, slows right down. And then the lanes divide and they go beside each other. And, they're, and I'm like, okay. So it seems that in life situations, joy is not the natural thing that manifests out of us. Around These sorts of things happen all the time. They happen, I mean, I've seen some of the nicest, sweetest moms turn into the devil in the parking lot of a school picking up their kids. Come on, like it is time, we gotta go right now, don't you know my kids got gymnastics in three minutes, I'm late, I know I stopped at Starbucks, so that's why I'm late, but still get out of my way. And so these things happen. These things happen and I'm, see, you're laughing because you know it's normal. You've all experienced it, right? You've all done the thing. I, I mean, I am guilty. My, my pet peeve, and I think the Lord's working on my heart about this, um, grocery store checkouts. I count the people. I scan the carts. I check how old the person is behind the till. I evaluate. I pick the shortest line. I'm the last one out. Every time, every time. And instead of rejoicing that I can buy groceries, I'm like, what on earth? Why can't, why can't I pick the right line like ever? So that's my challenge. But the thing is, this pressure happens all the time. Our culture tells you it is normal to be upset, to be angry, to be discouraged, to be frustrated, to spew, to wallow, to hide. The word tells us if you carry the presence of Jesus, joy is actually your natural response to every situation. That when there's pressure, when there's stuff going on, joy is actually your default switch. And we see it on repeat through the book of Acts. So we're going to get through that a little bit today. And we're going to talk about real quick, 10 key things that we need to know about joy. And so keep notes. This is going to help you. And the next time you get cut off in the construction zone... You will keep your hands at your side or at 10 and 2. <laughs> Nobody's using any hand gestures of any kind. You don't need to express anything except bless them, Lord. They must be in a hurry. <laughs> we can do this. We can move in an alternate spirit because we have the spirit of God in us. So you know I'm kidding, right? It's okay. Number one, joy is an internal delight. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is not something that we put on. Something is inside of us that comes out. Joy is an internal delight. And so just for definition's sake, happiness, when it's used in the Bible, is translated as blessed, usually. 
So blessed or manifestly happy, it's something that has happened, it's a situation, it's something that we have received, something we've encountered, and we step into that sense of happiness, we sense into that place of being blessed by God, which is a great thing. That's what we, we want to experience. Those are the things that we're all looking for. But joy is not dependent on those things, and that's a big deal. The word joy... Um, the, the root word for it is shara or sharas. It means calm delight. It is an adopted attitude of internal cheerfulness filled with gladness. It is not determined by current struggles, but by future destiny. It is anchored in relationship. It's this thing on the inside of us. Jesus talks about in John 15, he talks about love. And he talks about how God has loved us and how his love has been poured out upon us. And he, he explains love and he explains relationship with God. And then he says, I've told you all these things so that your joy will be full. So that your joy will be full. Because you know you got me, joy is full. So if we just pop that into the explanation that because I know I have God, because I know I am loved by God, I have calm delight, I have an adopted attitude. <laughs> That's helpful. An adopted attitude. You don't have to be a naturally joyful person. Some people are. We all have bumped into those kids, like two-year-olds, right? There are some that are just happy, happy, happy. They could just be off, and they're like, they got magical things happening in their mind. They're just like happy. And then there's kids that are like thunderclouds. Not naturally happy. I mean, they're still wonderful kids, but you, you have to work for a smile. You have to work for a little interaction from those kids. We are not all naturally bubbly people, but we can have an adopted attitude of internal cheerfulness because we are anchored in love. So if we know that, when Jesus said, I'm telling you about my love so that you can have fullness of joy, there is, an, there is something that we can exercise, we can operate in because we know we are loved by him. I mean, it should be that when anybody in our workplace, our schools, our social things, wherever we go, when people encounter us, they encounter something different than the stuff that happens in the construction zone. Something different should happen out of God's kids, right? So number one, joy is an internal delight. And when it's broken down a little further, the word rejoice, off of the same word, it means rejoice means to be full of joy. If I'm gonna rejoice, I am full of joy. This is something that I'm stepping into. Today, we have a lot to celebrate in the house. We have a lot to celebrate because you know, the house is still standing. Two weeks ago, we couldn't see the church because of the smoke. There was so much grossness and fire and risk and whatever. We're celebrating because Pastor George is stepping into the fullness of his calling. We're selling, celebrating because the mortgage is paid off. We're celebrating the goodness of God in graduations and all kinds of things. We're celebrating, but God was just as good and just as worthy of celebrating. And we had just as much access to joy when we were absolutely digging in in the middle of COVID. Same joy. Same joy is available because it's not based on our external circumstances. Number two, joy is rooted in trust. It's rooted in trust. And we've been talking a lot about trust lately. We've been talking about it in prayer, our Sunday nights as we've been navigating through this. If you have not been part of the Sunday nights or you were and you kind of lost the last couple weeks, chapter nine, 
you have to read chapter nine and spend some time on it. It absolutely is dealing with our relationship with God. And sometimes when we ask or pray weak prayers, it's because we've actually lost trust in God in some fashion. Something has happened that we can't frame the way we would like to. And so we just back off a little bit and we we put God in a different uh, category in our mind. And so we have to pull ourselves back into trust, which is hope. Trust is the actual, uh, like, full definition of hope, earnest expectation of good. Wayne and I were talking the other day, our dog, I, someday I'm going to bring him for show and tell, some Sunday. I'm not sure if his lips are deficient or something, but um, he drools, like, a lot. Like, if there's food anywhere, it just kind of runs out. And I'm, I'm looking at him the other day. We were sitting on the deck and we were eating and he's sitting there and he's looking back and forth between the two of us and drools running out. And I said, Dwayne, I think that is the earnest expectation of good right there. He is very confident he's going to get something and is an earnest expectation. You know, when, when we get out and we went, um, went through a season where we were doing a liquid fast and so we had a lot of soup. And so when we get a, a bowl and a spoon, he doesn't even bother. There is no expectation. He knows he's not getting anything, but anything else, he's in there and the earnest expect. We need to, I'm, I'm not saying we need to be drooling, but I'm saying we need to be the kind of people that we're in the presence of God and we just know. We just know he wants to give us something. We know that there's something good that he has that is available to us and we are prepared for that. It's rooted in trust. It's expectation from him. Why does my dog drool when food comes out? Because even though when we picked him up as a puppy and said we wouldn't give him table food, I mean day two, right? You all feed your dogs table food, right? Yeah. I mean, we were told right off the bat, if you don't ever give him table food, he won't beg. But he did, and he was so cute, and so we fed him. And, and so there's, there's an expectation from him because there's a track record that when he expects something from me, I give him something. We have a track record with God. Come on now. We have an earnest expectation of good because the track record is he's good. He's a good God. We have been there. We have partaken of his goodness. We have partaken of his faithfulness. And so we don't go on a situation by situation basis. We go based on his track record. We are anchored in trust with him. And that is where joy lands. Psalm 33, 20 to 21 says, Our soul waits upon the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Our heart shall rejoice. Definition, be calmly happy and full of joy. My heart shall be calmly happy and fully, uh, full of joy because I have trusted in him. What, everything's bad. Work is bad. Situation is bad. Medical report was bad. The, the relationship is bad. Why would you have joy? Because you are fully trusting in him. Yeah. This is what the early church knew. They knew that their anchor was on him and not on circumstances. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, I sometimes wonder whether all the pleasures of life are not simply substitutes for joy. Sometimes we have this thing where if, if everything is perfect, we can be joyful for a minute. But has anybody had the circumstance um, 
where you have been waiting for something to go right or to achieve something or to obtain something. And as you step into it, you're like, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I mean, I, I remember Wayne and I, when the girls were small, and we would plan, um, you know, a getaway weekend. We're going to the city and we're going to go to a hotel and we're going to eat meals out that somebody else cooked and we're going to drink hot coffee. And do you know, probably eight out of 10 times we spent the weekends fighting just because, you know, or miserable in some way because you put so much expectation, but actually there's other things that need to be discussed. There's, there's things that don't turn out quite as you imagine them. You booked a really great hotel and you show up and you're like, wow, what kind of filter was on that lens when they took the pictures? Because this is not the place that I booked. Or you order a meal and it doesn't come out the way you thought it was going to be. Whatever happens. I remember one time we were on a, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting for this trip. We get there and like the first meal out, filling falls out, and that's it. It's like pain for the weekend, like just pain. If we are based on these external things, these, they come and go. The early church, Book of Acts, they had massive casualties of life stuff and great joy and great experiences with God. They experienced the miraculous. They experienced the move of God. So our measure of experienced joy is dependent on who or what we trust. Number three then, joy is normal in the kingdom of God. It's normal. It shouldn't be something like, wow, you, you must be like doing really great because you seem so up. Nope, joy is normal in the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17, Paul talks about this and he talks about, you know, what the kingdom of God is. He says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this in the, in the Message Bible. It says, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sakes. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. Your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that, and you'll kill two birds with one stone, pleasing God above and proving your worth to the people around you. Isn't that good? It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together and completes it with joy. Joy is natural in the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the nature of God. That is who he is. That is what he does. Joy is the sign that the kingdom of God is alive in us. We've seen this wild adventure as we're going through the book of Acts. We've seen what these guys have begun to experience and we've begun to see the flow of what it looks like in action. We've talked about before as we go through church history, you know, hundreds of years go by and we move to a place not that far into it where church began to look like rules, regulations, structure, sitting, standing, kneeling, Silence, no music, no food, no nothing. We're coming before God. Which is so weird, right? Because when we read the beginning of the book of Acts, first church, before anything got diluted by man's boxes, we see them celebrating, operating in joy, feasting together, living in this natural state of contentment on the inside, even though they were scattered around the world by persecution. Strange, right? 
Even though they were driven from their homes, even though they lost things, even though people died, even though there were beheadings and beatings and whippings, you should read it. Seriously. And yet joy was this undercurrent that was there in everything that they did. Incredible. It's normal in the kingdom of God. Number four, joy then is an indicator of a life marked by God. Marked by God. His hand upon us. When we have his hand upon us, joy is the indicator that it is there. Acts 2, 41 to 47 talks about the story of, of the, the early church and how they begin navigating life together and how they're, they're growing in the things of God, how they're experiencing the flow of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 46, it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate all their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. It literally says just before that, that they sold their stuff and shared it. They just like, they just shared their stuff. One of the things that I thought was really interesting with the fires the last couple weeks was how many people I talked to that were evaluating stuff and going, you know, honestly, when we got the, we might need to be prepared to leave in 30 minutes, we really didn't care to bring much. It's just stuff. It was a bit of a gift to be able to see what is actually important in your life. It's the stuff that is the people in your life. Somebody said they went and they, their Bible was on the list. They wanted to get their Bible. There's family photos. It's things like that. But the stuff it's not nearly as important as what we think it is. The early church, and I want you to just hear this again, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, so they were in relationship. We have a barbecue after service today. Just, um, it is very good to break bread together, or ice cream. Also, very good to have together. Just a little pitch. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness. Gladness means exceeding joy. That's what it means, exceeding joy. So they ate their food with exceeding joy and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. I know for sure we got, we got people probably in this house and definitely across the, the gamut in the Grand Prairie area that cannot wait to hook up the camper, find a place in the bush, turn off the noise, and be quiet, right? What do you want about it? It's the simplicity, right? You want to stop running. You want to stop going from place to place to place and the things and the, 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 and the noise. These people found that in the middle of the community. The simplicity of heart. They sold their stuff. They shared what they had. They did life together. And they just lived simply. Camping is great. I love it as well. We, we also enjoy going there. I'm just saying it's a type of something that we're meant to live in all the time. Have you noticed that, honestly, our world, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have four or five nights a week going, something's wrong with you. People think you should be busy. If you're not busy all the time, you have room to do more things. There's more stuff that you could do. There's more, more things that you could squeeze onto your plate. There's more, more um, activities that you could do, more things that you could purchase, more experiences that you should have. 
These guys were focused on the things of God. They enjoyed each other. They enjoyed his presence. They lived with that place of health in their heart. Gladness, exceeding joy, and simplicity of heart. This is the refreshing thing, right? It's a question to ask ourselves. When was the last time I felt simplicity of heart? And like, honestly, it might, it might be something that you need to just take into prayer time. When was the last time I sat and felt simplicity of heart? It's anchored in exceeding joy. The place where I have the fingerprint of God on my life. For those of us who are in Christ, we are full of the Holy Spirit and joy is meant to be evident in our lives. It is an anchor no matter what. Joy is not circumstantial. It is built in trust in someone bigger than ourselves, not just any someone bigger than ourselves. It is trusting God. Acts 20, 23 to 24 is one of these very specific statements. Paul's out there. Paul's one of the ones who models joy for us. And he says, he says that he's, you know, he's planning his travels. He's going where the Holy Spirit's leading him. He says, the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Oh, good. But none of these things move me. Isn't that a profound statement? These things await me in every place I'm going, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with, with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul's going, you know what? Actually, my calling is pretty intense. Everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit's telling me, you know, there's imprisonment and chains waiting for you there. And I go anyway. These things do not move me. I am not worried about my safety. I'm not concerned about my comfort. I'm not concerned about these, these details of life. I'm not worried about what I'm experiencing versus what they're experiencing. I'm not trying to buy my third house on the lakefront and you know find a place of calm for my mind. He's finding joy in the journey even when chains are awaiting him. Isn't that shocking? It tells us that when the hand of God is upon our lives and we pull on joy, we have this thing, even though the circumstances swirl, we don't have to be moved. That's like a gift. Like that's such an incredible promise that God offers us. It's interesting because when Saul turned to Paul, when he had this encounter with Jesus and Jesus sent um, Ananias to go and minister to him and he said, you know, and Ananias was like, do you know who he is? Because he's bad. And um, God said, yes, he's the one I have called and appointed, and I will show him he's got to suffer many things for my name. Paul took the assignment knowing it was going to hurt. He was shown from the beginning, this is not going to be a path of roses. Some of us are like, we're halfway down this walk with God, and we're like, it's not as great as I thought it would be. Count it all joy. There's something that we have to draw on. There's a, a place of simplicity of heart and fullness of joy and gladness that can happen outside of circumstances. That is a radical gift. Do you know why? Because for every 
thing that's out there, every conspiracy, whatever, every actual thing that's going on, every threat, every disease that's announced, every issue that we face, if we are moved by all those things, we are perpetually in a state of, I just want to die. I just want out. If you decide like Paul, I don't even, I don't even consider that stuff. I count it joy. There's joy on the inside of me. I don't worry about my life. I worry about the call. You become unmovable. Unmovable, unshakable. This is the thing about God. When he calls us, when he puts that stamp of his presence upon our lives, if we decide to trust him completely, no matter what shakes, we are not shaken. This is of incredible value. When the enemy loses his ability to plant fear in your life, he just loses. Fear is the thing that stops so many of us from fulfilling the call and the purposes of God. Fear of what if, fear of lack, fear of pain, fear of struggle, fear of pressure, fear of man. Paul says, man, I just, I, I know there's going to be some stuff, but I don't even care. I have this joy on the inside of me that he's hanging on to. Joy is a fruit. It is a fruit of the spirit that is there and available to us. It's a fruit that is possible for us to use. Galatians 5 talks about the different fruits of the spirit and joy is one of them. So when the spirit of God lives in you, joy is possible. For those of us who are even today, if you knew my circumstances, you would not even be talking to me about joy. Do you have Jesus on the inside? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Because if he is, it doesn't matter. that's That's not saying that the circumstances don't matter. It's saying that joy is available to us even though. It's a fruit of the Spirit and we have to choose it. Now, I have noticed lately, Wayne and I are working on a little bit of stewardship issues. I've noticed that... um, it turns out that the chip and pop aisle is not the only aisle in the store. Um, There are fruits available. Who knew? You have to go looking for them and you have to choose them. You have to decide to lay hold of them. The fruit of the spirit in our life is the same. It's available, all of them, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. They are available for us to use, but we can decide to go down the junk aisle or we can put a draw on the correct fruit for the season, right? We can go after it. And sometimes we'll say, well, you know, fruit's way more expensive than junk. Yep and the benefits are way better. What is the fruit of joy in your life? The Spirit of God has made it available to you. Some of you, right now, I can feel it. Some, it's been like you've been walking under this cloud for weeks, and it's like, I just can't shake it. I just can't shake it. I just like, stuff's going on. It's just heavy. It's battle after battle. Okay, Spirit of God, you can produce the fruit of joy out of my life. I am putting a draw on you. I am deciding. I am deciding I do not need to live that way anymore. I do not need to live by my sight. I do not need to live by my feelings. I do not need to live by the opinions of others. I am putting a draw on joy and it is available because it's a fruit of you. So with that, number six, then joy is not dependent on your circumstances. (laughs) We read this verse a couple weeks ago, Acts 5, 40, 40 and 41. And when they had called the disciples and beaten them, 
Mm -hmm. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing or full of joy that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. How many of us, we're out there doing the things of God, we bump into an obstacle and we're like, I can't, this is horrible, I'm going home, that must, I got beaten, I got beat. come on. That doesn't even happen really in our culture. It's more like I went out there and somebody said something nasty to me. I don't think I can handle the rejection. And so I'm just going to stop. Honestly, they rejoiced. They were full of joy. Where did the joy come from? Recognizing. They were, they were like, we were counted worthy to suffer. <laughs> come on. We are calling. I know this house is full of people that are believing for an end time move of God, believing for that billion soul harvest or whatever it is, that, that move of his presence before Jesus returns, signs, wonders, and miracles following the preaching of the word, following the preaching of the word. So somebody's got to preach. There's no way that happens without resistance. The first church, before it was diluted, before there was the boxes of man and society, the first thing that happened, Holy Spirit comes, people get saved, they get arrested. If we are moved by our circumstances, we cannot fulfill the call of God upon our lives. If we are only full of God, we are only speaking Jesus, we are only living in the light, we are only oozing joy when everything's perfect. There's like two people in this room today maybe who could do that. Probably tomorrow would be a different two people. None of us have a perfect life. None of us have perfect circumstances, but we all serve a perfect God. And the living God is living on the inside of us. Come on now. We have access to this kind of joy. And when there's suffering, when there's actual persecution, we can count it all joy. There can be a joy that bubbles up on the inside of us. And God, I thank you that I've got you. At the end of the day, these guys didn't go back and say, well, we must have misheard. They went back and went, wow, this is the fellowship of his sufferings. He did it for us. And we get to just have a little taste for his glory, for his honor. And they were filled with joy. This is huge and wonderful. James 1, 2 to 4 talks about this counting it all joy. And he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. To count it means to lead, to deem, to judge, to rule over, to esteem, and to be chief. So lead yourself Enjoy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. Deem it joy. Rule over it as joy. Be chief over that attitude of joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's not dependent on circumstances. Number seven, joy produces strength. The further of James 1, 2 to 4 says, my brethren, count it or deem it, or judge it, all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete and lacking nothing. That is a place of strength, isn't it? When there's nothing missing, there's no voids. You have what you need to do what is in front of you to to fulfill the task at hand, to live the life that you've been called to lead. You have everything that you need. It happens through these processes that are sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. Various trials test your faith, produce patience. Patience is working something in you, but your attitude as you go through that, count it all joy. Some of us, have asked God to lead us out into the purposes he has for us. And when the pressure comes and there's a little bit of training and a little bit of refining and a little bit of stuff that takes a little bit of work on the inside, we start to panic and go, God has abandoned me. I was standing in faith and he totally just let me fail. Or he's working something in us and our attitude of choice needs to be to count it all joy decide to have joy, decide to walk in joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's an actual strengthening that happens in that choice. I don't think I can go on any farther. I don't have any more in me. Then decide joy. If we read in James that we can count it or we can decide it or we can declare it or we can make this governing ruling decision that it is joy and joy is our strength, then yes, I can get through this and my attitude and what what I pull on from God, the fruit that I pull on is going to make all the difference in the world. How do I get through it? Not just looking for miracles from the outside, but what is produced from the inside? What comes out? Strength, in that definition there, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength means a fortified place, a defense, and a fortress. Joy is the strength. Joy is the fortress. Joy is the place where we hide ourselves, anchored in trust, knowing he's there. He's got it. Number eight, joy can change an atmosphere. Joy can change an atmosphere and not just your atmosphere. This is really cool. So um, Acts 8, 4 to 8, talks about, this is the initial thing, um, starts off, therefore those who were scattered when everywhere preaching the word. Why were they scattered? (laughs) Persecution. So there was this thing that happened right early on Jesus leaves, Holy Spirit comes, people are filled, miracles happen, the lame guys raised up, people are going from house to house, and they're sharing their food with joy and simplicity of heart, and then persecution, and they get scattered all over the place, so they start to minister from a place of joy. Preaching the word, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached to them, and the multitudes with one, uh, with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. Let's stop there for a minute. He goes into this new place and it's not like we're having evangelistic meetings. Bring your relatively nice people and um, relatively dignified people and we're going to have evangelistic meetings and I'm just going to tell you about the good news of Jesus. There are many who are possessed. 
he goes into this town and it's like crazy town. It's like walking into, you know, one of those, those places where, have you ever been in a situation where you look around and you're like, am I the only one not stoned? Here, we've all been there. We've all, you know, taken a wrong turn when you're traveling or whatever, and you end up in a neighborhood in a city somewhere, and you're like, we need to get out of here right now. We're not, nobody's getting out of the car. You know, he, he goes into this place, and there were many who were possessed. This is the atmosphere of the community. Many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed and lame. Great town. Just Awesome place, good things to put on the billboard outside of the city. You know, welcome to Samaria. We, we have demons and cripples. This is, enjoy your time, right? This is the thing that's going on. Many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. This is the thing. Crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Not just in the individuals, but the city atmosphere changed from being a haven of demons to a place full of great joy, which is a marker of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? So the city, the atmosphere in the city changed from one of a bondage to one of joy and freedom and life. Wouldn't you love it if you asked people when they came into GP, like, what did you feel when you came over the, over the hill? You, you came into the city and they were like, oh man, I just felt like good on the inside. I felt expectant. I felt hopeful. Wouldn't you love that? Right now we get a whole lot of, well, it's a, it's a place, isn't it? So, I mean, you've you got a lot of infrastructure. There's a lot of, lot of development here in the city. Huh. Most of us, when we go away on vacation and come home, we can feel the heaviness settle. Oh, own up to it. That's not a bad thing. That's a setup for a move of God. That's a setup for an atmosphere shift. That is a setup for what was possessed, what was broken, what was lame to shift into what is full of joy. When people come into the city, they are full of joy. They encounter the presence and spirit of the living God. And how do they encounter it? Through the atmosphere that we produce because we are choosing to walk in God, because we are choosing to express joy, because we are choosing to not be bogged down under it, but we put a draw on the fruit of the spirit, our trust is anchored in the living God. We're not worried about our own comfort nearly so much as we're worried about walking out the purposes of God. And the atmosphere changes when the Spirit of God is welcome to move. This is something we've been called to. Number nine, joy is a product of presence. We're almost done here. Joy is a product of presence. Acts chapter 8, 26 to 40 is the story of Philip who's uh, ministering to the eunuch who's studying the word. And Philip comes up to him and he's like, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy's like, no, how can I? Like, unless somebody explains this to me. So Philip explains it to him. And it says that he baptizes him right away. There's this thing that happens. The eunuch receives with joy the word of God. He receives that Jesus is who he says he is. And this thing happens on the inside of him. This shift happens on the inside of him. And he's like, I want to get baptized right now. Is there any reason we can't do that? Philip's like, no, let's do this. So starting in verse uh, 38. Now, when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. It's kind of a big deal. 
We haven't had that happen yet, but that would be something, huh? Baptism Sunday, Pastor Brad pulls somebody up and Pastor Brad goes missing. Where is he? Baptizing people in Rycroft. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a big deal that this happens. Philip goes missing and it says further that he ends up in another town. He's like, he's like just moved by God to another town. And he went his way rejoicing. It says the eunuch saw him no more. So he went his way rejoicing, full of the presence of God. It doesn't say that the eunuch sat there and went, well, that was a, that was a crazy moment. I, he's, not, he's not even focused on the fact that Philip has gone missing. He's focused on the fact that the presence of God now lives in him. And he is absolutely full of joy. He is, he's, not even, he's not even overcome by the fact that this guy who he just talked to went. He is full of joy because he has encountered the living God. He went his way rejoicing. Final thing, then we've covered this on all the points up till now, but let me be blunt. Number 10, joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There is nothing that any one of us is going to go through that is worse than what Jesus went through for us. Nothing. Nobody's home situation is worse. Nobody's financial situation is worse. Nobody's health is worse. And I'm not minimizing any of it. I'm just saying Jesus literally took the maximum penalty. He paid the maximum price. And the way that he got through it was for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. We cannot keep our eyes on this situation and our comforts and our wishes and our wants and our, we, we sure hope this turns around. We cannot stay there and expect to actually finish the race. It's very specific in this particular scripture. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. It's easy for us to focus on the sin. It's easy for us to, to say, I know that I, I need to like stop in that area. I know that sin is creating an access that the enemy is using against me. I know that, that sin is a, it's a bondage that I'm, I'm, it's easy for us to say that. But it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Yeah. The weights are the cares of this life. Truly. The weights are the cares of of this life. The issues that we've been tricked into thinking are so important. The stuff that we've been tricked into thinking we need to have, the comforts that we, we must, must have in place or else we can't function. The ease of life that has to be laid out so that we can serve. Those are the weights. When Jesus talked about the seed that was sown, he talked about the stuff that's choked out by the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the stuff, the cares. We have to decide to live in joy. And that is going to require stopping obsessing about the circumstances and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Fixing our eyes on him. 
I mean, you know you hear this from this pulpit all the time, but I do not believe that we can live in a state of passive faith, passive Christianity, where we have a little Jesus to add to our lifestyle. We'll not make it. The stuff that's going on around us is just beginning to ramp up. The pressures, the issues, the struggles, the demonic activity, the spirit of antichrist, the stuff that's going on around us, it's not going away. <laughs> when the book of Acts was written, people were being crucified by the minute in Jerusalem. They had an evil ruler came in that used, used people as human torches and burnt them alive for their parties. They fed Christians to lions. And they preached the word of God boldly. They counted it all joy when they were worthy to suffer for the cause. They kept their eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. They were anchored in him. They lived with fullness of joy and heart and simplicity. They went from house to house. They encouraged one another. They laid down their lives to serve one another. They were available for whatever God had for them to do. They lived in this place of utter abandon to the purposes of God. They saw the dead raised. They saw the lame healed. They saw the demons flee. They saw cities change. They saw the move of God advance from one city to the developed world at that time. We don't get one without the other. We've been called in this season to live in a place where our eyes are fixed on him. And when we can live in that simple pursuit of him, joy is abundant and it is a choice. I'm going to have the worship team come and we're going to close with this today. Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, all that being said, I, I just feel like the, the really exciting thing is, is Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that he spoke, the things that he offered, the things that we read about his love and his kindness. I, I love the story when he was um, taking the disciples away and he, was, he said, like, let's go and have a meal and rest a little bit. And he saw the masses and he had compassion on them. And he changed his whole plans for the day because he had compassion on them. We serve a God who is compassionate and kind and good and merciful and just. And he is all the things we've already sang this morning. He is our provider. He is our healer. He's our lifeline. And if he really is, then there's no reason this morning that every one of us can't be abounding in joy that we can't be living the fruit of joy, that we can't have the overflow of joy, that we can't face every circumstance and decide, I have joy on the inside and it is the anchor for my soul. It is the strength that I need for today. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. I am choosing joy. I could choose anger. I could choose discouragement. I could choose fear. I could choose panic. I could choose intimidation, but I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing joy. Let's just say it out loud. Just Let's just try it on. I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing joy. Do you feel that lift a little bit? Let's stand together this morning.
today as we celebrate and we celebrate over our food and we celebrate the burning of the mortgage and we celebrate Pastor George and we celebrate all the good things that God is doing, I want you to anchor this feeling of celebration and joy on the inside of your heart. Mark it as actually our normal state. Isn't that cool? This is our normal state. Joy on the inside. Joy. Joy, joy, joy. God, I thank you today for your word. We thank you for the model that we see in the book of Acts. We thank you, Lord, for how you've changed lives. We thank you for, Lord, it's just so so easy to skim past it when we read that there were many oppressed by the devil. There were many possessed. There were many lame and broken. And you delivered them and you healed them. And there was great joy in the city. It's so easy for us to just read past those verses like it's just history, but God, that's who you are. You have come to give us freedom and life and hope. I thank you, Lord, that you love us with an everlasting love. I thank you, Lord, that you are powerful, that you are mighty, that you are strong, and you are also gentle and kind and good. You are just, you are true. Lord, today I thank you that every spirit of heaviness, every bondage of the weights of this life are broken today in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that we have heard the truth and the truth that we, we know makes us free. And God, I thank you because of that, we are free indeed. And I declare freedom over this house today in Jesus' name from every lie, every oppressive weight of the enemy in Jesus' name. I release joy in this house today, Lord, bubbling up from the inside out. Joy, celebration in your goodness, in your faithfulness, in who you are, God. We lean into that today and we decide it. For everybody who's had a week that has been so heavy, I just pray, God, today there would be a shaking off, even right now, a shaking off, a shaking off of every weight, every lie, every concern, God, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for freedom and joy, 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 joy. If you physically need to shake it off, consciously just shake it off right now, do that. We shake off the heaviness. We shake off the weights. We shake off the concerns. We shake off the pressure. And we decide joy today. We decide joy today. And we thank you for the freedom in that in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I thank you for deliverance into joy today over your people. And we give you the praise for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.